Welcome to this episode of Come Follow Me, A Disciple's Journey. So this week I'm going to do just this episode um, to dive into section 60, 61, and 62. So starting with section 60, in August 1831, so it's a couple months after the conference in Kirtland that they were commanded to go to Missouri, um, they're in Missouri and the prophet receives this revelation that directs them uh, to go back uh, to, to Ohio. And this is, you know, the Lord is going to be pretty direct in correcting some of these brethren. He says, but with some I am not well pleased, for they will not open their mouths, but they hide the talent which I have given uh, unto them because of the fear of man. Woe unto such, for mine anger is kindled against them. And it shall come to pass that if they are not more faithful unto me, it shall be taken away, even that which they have. So a couple of things stand out to me here. If you think about the parable of the talents that Christ tells in the New Testament, you know, one servant who gets the most, he goes and he works with it and uh, he's able to double uh, the talents, right, that he has. The second guy, same thing. Third guy is afraid. That's the key, is he's afraid. And it's the same thing here, right, that they had a fear of man, which is why they hid their talent in verse 2 of, the, of section 60. And so fear is... Is crippling. Fear is what the Lord doesn't like because if if we're fearful, we're not looking to Him. Look, He says in section six of the Doctrine and Covenants, "Doubt not, fear not." Now, having questions is fine. You know, having moments of you know being afraid that's fine. But what those moments should do to us is it should cause us to remember the Lord. It should cause us to look up to Him. Satan uses that fear to cast doubt, right? And so then you have the doubt and the fear, and then we forget the Lord. We forget that He's on our side. We forget that He's mighty to save. We forget that we're on we're doing His work. The second thing that stands out to me here is that um, He says, "Woe unto such, for mine anger is kindled against them." Just last week we read in section fifty-nine, and in nothing doth man offend God, or against none is His wrath kindled, save those who confess not His hand in all things. So it seems to me that one way in which we can um, confess his hand in all things is by using the talents he's given us, using the blessings he's given us, sharing the gospel. Because if if he's if his anger was kindled against these people, and there's none else that his anger is kindled against, or his wrath is kindled against, than those who confess not his hand in all things, well, we've got to look and see what were these guys doing. Well, what they did is they came from Ohio to Missouri but they didn't stop along the way to spread the gospel. They just kind of beelined it to Missouri. Um, and they were, and so they hid their talent. They hid the, um, and, and when we say the word talent, we can mean literal talents. We can mean spiritual gifts. Yes. But think back to the parable that Christ told. It was, it was a mon, a monetary thing, right? That he had been entrusted with. It was a, a stewardship. And these brethren had been given a stewardship. They had been given responsibility and assignment. And they hid it. Meaning they did not do it. And in not doing it, they were not confessing the hand of the Lord in all things. They were denying his power. They were denying his work. They were denying his aid and his help. Um, and so I think, you know, in our lives today, in the church, in our responsibilities, what are what are our talents? What stewardships have we been given? 
And are we, quote unquote, hiding them? That's, that's a question I think we all need to ask ourselves because I think it can be easy to get caught up on talents and thinking of them as a talent in the English vernacular today, you know, the gift that we have, a skill that we have, which it can be, and that's true too. But here in this section and here and in the New Testament, that's not what the word talent really means. It's not what's being talked about. And then in verse 4, he says, For I, the Lord, rule in the heavens above and among the armies of the earth, and the day when I shall make up my jewels, all men shall know what is, uh, what it is that bespeaketh the power of God. So, jewels. This reminds me of Malachi uh, chapter 3. There's a bunch of different places, but where the Lord says he's going to make up his jewels. So, Malachi, uh, I'll read a couple of verses from there. First, and just, this is not necessarily a, a jewel, but uh, a fine, precious something from Malachi 3. And he shall sit as a refiner of pure and purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may uh, offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. So in all ages, right, jewels and gold and silver, there, there's these precious materials. The Lord tells us that he's going to refine us so that we are those precious things. Later in section or chapter 3 of Malachi, talking about tithes, and he says, you guys complained against me, how we complained, how we... And he's talking about tithing, you've withheld your tithes from me. And you say it's vain to serve God because look at the wicked. The wicked, are they prosper while we suffer despite us being the righteous chosen people. Um, and then the Lord spake often, and the Lord, uh, sorry, then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it, heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. He's he's gonna make us his jewels, and in the last day, and in, in you know, in the in the millennium, in in the judgment day, you'll be able to tell, okay, was it worth it or was it not? You can't tell that now. And it's hard to tell that now because what makes a jewel? So I did some research. I knew about diamonds, right? I knew diamonds, pressure and heat. So I was like, all right, let me look up. I didn't know anything about other types of jewels. So I looked up rubies and I looked up emeralds. Um, those are the other two I looked up. And guess what? Process is the exact, is the exact same as uh, as a diamond. Immense pressure and heat. So if the Lord's making you his jewel, it's probably not going to be feeling very great for you. It's going to feel like pressure and heat. But in the end... When the, when the when you look up to God at the judgment day, you'll be able to do so with confidence. You'll be able to do it because you will be like him. You'll see him because you'll be like him. But it takes that immense pressure and heat. It takes that refiner's fire. All right, so section 61, they're on their way back. They uh, end up taking getting some canoes and they're uh, going down the Missouri River. And they're bickering and arguing. They're, they're about a lot of things, but about Joseph's authority. Um, and uh, W.W. Phelps has a vision. And he sees the destroyer, Satan, in his most horrible power right upon the face of, all, of the waters. Other heard the noise, but saw not the vision. And so they pull off the water and... 
section 61. So there's just the destroyer literally seeking to destroy them. They're arguing amongst themselves. There's just conflict and contention. Section 61 is in response to this setting. Um, first thing that the Lord does is, well, not the first, but it's one of the first. In verse 4, Nevertheless, I suffered it that ye might bear record. Behold, there are uh, many dangers upon the waters, and more especially hereafter. So he allowed Satan to ride upon the waters and have W.W. Phelps see the vision so that he could testify of the power of, of Satan. It's just kind of a theme, really, if you look through scriptures, that uh, Moses, in in, test, in 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 the book of Moses, and telling and sharing his experience of seeing God and then seeing Satan, he records his seeing of, seeing of Satan, that he's real. Section 76, Joseph and, uh, does the same thing. They testify of Christ, and then they testify of the power of Satan. And so one thing I've often thought that uh, is interesting is, you know, one of Satan's tools in Second Nephi chapter twenty-eight, Nephi talks about this. That one of Satan's tools is to get people to think there is no, there is no Satan. There, you know, there, there is, there is none. I am no, I am no devil, for there is none. And that, you know, uh, Alma chapter thirty, Korahor, same, same type of thing. Um, that's one of Satan's tools is to get the world to think that there is no evil, there is no Satan. And if you don't think that, then he can guide you mindlessly without you even realizing it because you, you, you're denying that he even has that kind of power, that he even is real. Just a couple of other quick um, verses and thoughts from section 61. Um, verse 20, I, the Lord, was angry with you yesterday, but today my anger is turned away. That's the promise of repentance. That, yeah, when we sin, we offend God. We upset him and anger him. When we deny his hand in all things, his wrath is kindled against us. But when we repent, immediately, now, depending on our um, sins and our uh, transgressions and offenses, the, the repentance process may take longer. But as soon as we begin to repent, as soon as we begin to turn to him, Immediately does the plan of redemption begin to take effect in our, in our life. Alma 34, Almielek is talking. He says, And therefore, if you will repent and harden not your hearts, immediately shall the great plan of redemption be brought about unto you. And when we repent, the Lord remembers our sins no more. His, he, was, he was angry with us yesterday. But he's not angry. He will no longer be angry with us. Uh, the last uh, two verses here that I want to talk about are 36 and 38. And verily I say unto you, and what I say unto one, I say unto all, be of good cheer. Little children, for I am in your midst, and I have not forsaken you. That's a, you know, in, a, in our life, as we as we go through life, and maybe this is just me in my prideful self. It's easy to start to Think, okay, I've got this. All right, I'm, you know, in a calling. I've been in this calling for so long. I've got it. I understand my duties. I got it. I've got this. At work, all right, I've been in this position for this many years. I've got it. I'm, I, I'm, I'm the man, you know. 
at home. You know, we've, I've got these kids and you've, okay, this is kid number, my wife's pregnant with kid number five. And it's like, all right, we got this. But it, it's easy to start feeling like that. But what I need to remember, and that's what I'm saying, maybe this is just for me, so I'm going to share it from for me. Little children is what he calls them here. And we need to remember that, that we are his. And we are uh, immature in in our progression. No matter how far along we are in, in mortality, we... As compared to our Father in heaven, we are immature in our progression. We are little children. But he says, I say unto you, be of good cheer. Why? Because he's in our midst. We are we are his little children. He's going to take care of us as long as we remain with him and turn to him. And then he says, gird up your loins and be watchful and be sober, looking forth for the coming of the Son of Man. For he cometh in an hour you think not. That's it. Uh, it's this, I, it's in, in our day, there's a lot of people who are saying, I, I got it. I know when he's coming. We don't, um, history of the church. Joseph Smith said, Jesus Christ never did reveal to any man the precise time he would come. Go and read the scriptures and you cannot find anything that specifies the exact hour he would come. And all that say so are false teachers. There are many people inside and outside the church who want to say, look, I've read the scriptures and I've done these things and I've seen this this pattern and I've got it. I know when he's coming, it's going to be at this time. Let me read what Joseph Smith said again. Go and read the scriptures and you cannot find anything that specifies the exact hour he would come. And all that say so are false teachers. And it's an important thing to remember in our day. And as the, I don't know when the, I don't know when the second coming is coming. I know it's not today. I feel very confident in saying it's not tomorrow because there's too many things that still need to happen. Uh, but what I do know is that today it's closer than it was yesterday. And as the day of his return approaches, it's important to know how to spot uh, these types of things and to see truth and error. So that's, we'll wrap up now with a brief mention of section 62. So um, they meet some elders on the way back. The Lord tells them, hey, don't go by water anymore. You, if you're going by water, you can't spread the gospel. You need to spread the gospel. you got to get off the water and walk because you're going to run into people. And who they run into? Well, these guys coming to Missouri. There are some other elders. And... Um, the Lord tells them that they, he is well pleased with them because they bore their testimony to people along the way. Um, verse 1 says, Behold, hearken, O ye elders of my church, saith the Lord your God, even Jesus Christ, your advocate, who knoweth the weakness and of man and how to succor them who are tempted. The Lord knows how to succor you. That means to give relief in your in your moment of distress even then that's not just like hey I'm helping you out when you don't really need it but in your hour of need and distress he knows how to help you um he forgives their sins because why because of the testimony that they have borne as we share the gospel it's it's a powerful part of repentance 
And as we repent, we've just talked about this, the Lord forgives us. Um, and then I love verse 5. It says, And then you may return to, to bear record, yea, even altogether, or two by two, as seemeth you good. It matters not unto me. Why wouldn't it matter? Because he, these these men, these elders, have earned his trust. And so he knows. It's like in Third Nephi, uh, excuse me, Helaman, when the Lord gives Nephi the power to seal on earth and to seal in heaven, and he seals the, the, the heavens so it doesn't rain and there's a famine. And the Lord says, I'm going to give you this power because I know you won't ask anything contrary to my will. That's basically what the Lord says to Nephi. Why did why did he know that? Because Nephi had proved it. Because Nephi had been through the refiner's fire. Because Nephi had had gone through the pressure and the heat to become a jewel, his jewel, and it remained faithful. And so he knew that Nephi would seek to do his will. These these men, which it's, are not mentioned here, but um, Reynolds. Reynolds Cahoon, who is among them, named the, the elders that they met coming from Ohio as Hiram Smith, John Murdoch, Harvey Whitlock, and David Whitmer. These are the men that are in section 63, or excuse me, section 62, that the Lord was well pleased with. These are the men who he's speaking to and says, look, go back and spread the gospel, but do what you ever, whatever you want. Because why? Because he trusts them. Because they they had listened to the to the revelation given to the prophet Joseph in section 58. They were anxiously engaged in good work, and so he knew they would be about doing good. So go do what you want. Go do what you think. Follow, and then he trusted them to follow the Spirit. Uh, and in our life, that you know, sometimes we want more direction, but sometimes that's going to be what the Lord says to us: is go do it however you see fit, because I trust you. Follow the Spirit, and I and I trust you. Um. In my life, I've seen that. And I just uh, want to close by testifying of the power of, of the atonement of Christ and, and guiding me through my life uh, and, and the power of Christ and his atoning sacrifice to succor me and my needs. And sometimes it doesn't come when we want it. Uh, and, we, and we think, why isn't it here yet? This is so hard. But it's my testimony that when it is time and when we need it the Lord will succor us because he has succored me in my needs um, thank you for listening I hope you enjoy your study this week and best of luck hope to talk to you next week